Welcome to the Rush Hour. Your daily dose of pop culture and entertainment news for your Rush Hour ride. Work sucks, but your commute doesn't have to. Buckle up and enjoy the drive with your host, stand-up comedian and power recapper, Dave Neal. Good Tuesday morning to everybody out there, February 27th, 2024. Going to have a little bit of a Bachelor recap for you. I'll save that for the end of this episode in the off chance you're saying, no, Dave, no, I haven't watched yet. Well, I'll give you some other non-Bachelor content in the meantime. Aren't I so charitable? Let's start with some nature news. You want some nature news? Here's a good story. Joe Biden brokers a billion-dollar deal with Oregon, Washington, four Columbia River tribes to revive Northwest salmon population. Oh, good day for the salmon. The administration leaders of four Columbia River Basin tribes and governors of Oregon and Washington celebrate as they sign papers formally launching the billion-dollar plan to help recover depleted salmon populations in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, This plan, which was announced in December, stopped short of calling for the removal of four controversial dams on the Snake River, as some environmental groups and tribal leaders have urged. Listen, I don't know anything about this, but I'm just telling you, the price of salmon is too high, so if they want to put money into repopulating the salmon waters, I say go for it. I don't know about you. I'm kind of a snob. I don't like farm-raised salmon. Did you know they dye them pink with, you know, no, no, no. I need river, I need ocean salmon, wherever the hell. I don't even know where salmon come from, but I need it to be not in a farm, which just sounds way cool, but it's really, all right, I don't mean to, okay, maybe you packed salmon for lunch, so I don't want to ruin your appetite. Let's move on to another non-salmon story. This is Bachelor Salmon News. No, we've got Taylor Swift in the news, that's right. Her dad, Scott, was accused of assaulting a photographer after the singer wrapped her Eras Tour concert in Sydney. Taylor Swift's dad, Scott Swift, is being accused of assaulting Australian photographer while celebrating the end of his daughter's tour. The NSW police force confirmed to Page Six on Monday that an investigation was launched after Scott allegedly attacked 51-year-old Ben McDonald at a ferry wharf in Sydney's North Shore. We're told the alleged assault occurred around 2.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. McDonald did not require medical treatment. Now, look, I watched the video. Essentially... As far as I could tell, it was Scott Swift holding an umbrella to keep people from being able to take photographs of their daughter, Taylor Swift, coming off of the boat tour. Well, there is a statement from the father, which we can play for you. Two individuals were aggressively pushing their way towards Taylor, grabbing at her security personnel and threatening to throw a female staff member into the water. However, Mr. McDonald, the chief executive of Matrix Media Group, slammed the statement as utter rubbish and said the only female at the scene was Taylor. All right, well, it's a little bit of a he said, she said. Now, Taylor and her father and a you know a security guard who was shining a flashlight in the direction of the paparazzi, they were all there. So you'd think it would be kind of a slam dunk case since it was all on camera. But my guess is none of this would have happened if people just left Taylor alone. And nobody is leaving Tom Sandoval alone as reports come out that Tom Sandoval of Vanderpump Rules shuts down Ariana Maddox's, Maddox's request to sell their shared L.A. home and split the profit in court documents obtained by People. Tom Sandoval is denying his ex's request for partition. 
Tom Sandoval denying not only that, his request that they sell their shared L.A. home and split the profits per court documents. He alleges that she has failed to state a cause of action in her January lawsuit, that she did not act reasonably and in good faith. The couple were in a relationship for nine years before their March 2023 split. Can you believe they broke up a year ago and they haven't decided what to do with their home? It's like maybe they maybe they still love each other. That's my thought always. And of course, people say, no, she wants to get out of it. And, um, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, you know, their situation is probably a good, a good scenario to remind people why they should get married. Because I feel like if they were married, it would be maybe easier to divide their assets. Again, I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's just a thought I had, (laughs) you know, who knows? Either way, he's trying to get, he's like, oh, I paid for these renovations, so I should get more. It's like, bro, take the loss. You're lucky you're going to get 50% of the value of that home and just move on. You know what I mean? All right, here's a crazy story. Wendy's, you know, Wendy's, you know, by the way, Wendy's restaurant was the place to hang out when I was in high school. You had that quarter, that $1 junior bacon cheeseburger, JBC's. You had the Frosty, which, you know, you can never get a milkshake to work at McDonald's, but Wendy's was always pretty faithful with the Frosty. Either way, now they're introducing Uber style surge pricing. Your favorite Wendy's items could cost more or less, depending on what time you order in the future. In early February, Kirk Tanner, the new CEO and president of Wendy's, shared with analysts his various plans to increase company profits, including investing in digital menu boards that will have the capacity to display dynamic pricing that fluctuates throughout the day. Oh, this is terrible. Can you imagine? Oh, it's a pretty bad day at the stock market. Uh, the you know quarter pounder with cheese is $17. They, he said, we are planning to invest approximately $20 million to roll out digital menu boards to all U.S. company-operated restaurants by the end of 2025. Tanner added that Wendy's will also invest an additional $10 million over two years to enhance its global system, help upsell other menu items, and improve order accuracy. But that's not all. Beginning in early as 2025, we will begin testing more enhanced features like dynamic pricing and day part offerings, along with AI-enabled menu changes and suggestive selling. Oh, I don't need a suggestive selling. Oh, Dave, we saw that you wanted the filet of fish. No, I don't need you to suggest anything to me. It's like, I'm at a Wendy's. Just let me live. He said businesses are able to change prices based on algorithms that take into account competitor pricing, supply and demand, and other external factors in the market. Dynamic pricing is a common practice in several industries such as hospitality, travel, entertainment, retail. Yeah, but the problem, everything he's saying uh, is industries that have, um, you know, uh, goods that go go bad if they're not used right away. You know what I mean? Like if you don't sell all the flights in an airplane, that's that's scarcity, right there, right? So if you don't sell something, it's perishable. You're going to lose that item. No one's going to lose a frozen bag of French fries. Oh, this is a bad idea. So they say this means a Wendy's burger may sell at a higher price point during a busy lunch rush, then come down in price during an afternoon lull and go back up again at dinner time. Let me tell you guys something. I don't mean to sound cynical here, but if they ever raise a price at lunch, they're not dropping it after. You know what I mean? It's like they're going to use this to F you, all of you. Oh, you want some extra ketchup? Well, it's surge ketchup hour, so you're going to have to pay more. Now, let me tell you, I was an Uber driver. Let me tell you why the surge pricing makes sense um, when it comes to Uber and Lyft. As an Uber and Lyft driver, I wouldn't get out of bed for normal driving prices, but at you know midnight to 3 a.m., you might make double because it's surge pricing because there's higher demand. So you might say, you know what? 
I'll roll the dice that some chick, you know, who's drunk on her 21st birthday might vomit in my back seat. I'll try to make a few extra bucks. Sadly, I made the extra bucks and she still vomited in my back seat, which is my PSA to all of you to never use the public vacuums at the, at the uh, you know, uh, um, car washes. Some Uber driver just picked up some 21-year-old's chunks from the, you know, from whatever uh, salmon sushi she had earlier in the night. You like that callback, folks? All right. Anyway, uh, this, this, this just reeks to me of price gouging, and I'm not going to let this happen. We'll have more right after this. I mean, something happened during the pandemic where we had corporate greed accompanied by inflation, and it was a perfect opportunity for corporations to just start charging more money. You know, they could start blaming the supply chain. Well, you know, with the supply chain issues, it's like, I mean, we can't use that in work. I can't be like, oh, sorry, the podcast sucked today. Supply chain issues. You know, I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get my uh, good uh, gossip magazines loaded because of the supply chain issues. So you're stuck with whatever you get. No, you can't use that. Well, consumers are finally pushing back. And I hate this because because I don't know if you guys understand how inflation is calculated, but it's 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 calculated using a lot of different things. They look at the price of gas and 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 in consumer items like milk and certain things that you just have to have, and they average it all together and they decide you know our price is going up or going down based on what we get. And we all know that inflation is crazy right now. But the thing that we seem to argue over is who's caused inflation. Now, don't get me wrong; there has been some inflation caused by all the money pumped into the market this and that absolutely but the truth is these these companies right that own Kellogg's and the Kroger companies and all of these higher end uh, retails that can work together they're the ones that are effing us over they're the ones doing it you know all of a sudden it's like double the price for uh, you know tin foil and then I got a checkout at a self checkout the hell's going on over here well an article has come out consumers are increasingly pushing back against price increases and winning we love to see it. Let's check this article out right here. Yeah. I mean, they got everything from shrinkflation where they, you know, what used to be like an eight ounce thing of coffee is now six ounces. I mean, it's just got to go. Inflation has changed the way many Americans shop. Now those changes in consumer habits are helping bring down inflation. Fed up with prices that remain about 19% on average above where they were before the pandemic. Consumers are fighting back. In grocery stores, they're shifting away from name brands to store brand items. Switching to discount stores or simply buying fewer items like snacks or gourmet food. But again, I don't know if this solves the problem. I know that, um, I don't even know when it's going to, is it tonight? When is um, President Biden's State of the Union? I know he plans to talk about inflation and try to try to get companies, you know, pressure companies to bring the price down. When it really comes down to it is, as Americans, we need to boycott companies that have higher prices now than they did before the pandemic. We need to boycott them. It's not like oil prices are high. You know, there's, it, there's, it's all rubbish. The growing consumer pushback to what critics condemn as price gouging has been most evident with food as well as with consumer goods like paper towels and napkins. Oh, the price of paper towels. You're absolutely telling me. In recent months, consumer resistance has led large food companies to respond by sharply slowing their price increases from the peaks of the past three years. This doesn't mean grocery prices will fall back to their levels of a few years ago, though. With some items, including eggs, apples, and milk, prices are below their peaks. 
but the milder increase in food prices should help further cool overall inflation, which is down sharply from a peak of 9% in 2022 to 3.1%. Now, of course, they need to get inflation to what? 25 to 3%. That's where you want. You don't want inflation at zero. You want it to be a little higher than that, but certainly not 9%. Public frustration with prices has become a central issue in President Joe Biden's bid for re-election. Polls show that despite the dramatic decline in inflation, many consumers are unhappy that prices remain so much higher than they were before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, you know, it's one thing to slow the rate of inflation down. It's another to bring prices back to where they were before. Biden has echoed the criticism of many left-leaning economists that corporations jacked up their prices more than was needed to cover their own higher costs, allowing themselves to boost their profits. Guys, this article is literally saying everything I've said over and over. The White House has also attacked shrinkflation, whereby a company, rather than raising the price of a product, instead shrinks the amount inside the package. In their video released on Super Bowl Sunday, Biden denounced shrinkflation as a ripoff. All right, I'm on board with that. No more shrinkflation. All right, let's move to a. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my bachelor thoughts the last five or six minutes, but let's move to a more. Um, I don't know, nuanced story here from the University of Wurstburg. Am I pronouncing that right? What is this German? Empathy is socially transmitted. All right, you're worried about. Uh, the things that are socially transmitted, maybe this is a good one. Empathy. Empathy can be transferred. And maybe this is important as we cover reality, TV, and entertainment news. This means that people can acquire or lose empathy by observing their environment. This is shown by a new study by Wurzburg neuroscientist Grit Hein. Um, very, very fascinating stuff. Professor Dr. Grithein's latest assessments of empathic abilities once again challenge the old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It seems that not only children, but also adults can adopt empathic responses from close caregivers in addition to their genetic predispositions. Adults, too, are malleable and can learn to be more or less compassionate through observing others. The professor of translation social neuroscience at the Center of Mental Health at the University Hospital Wurzburg, has has a long title, has managed to capture this complex social phenomenon through mathematical models, a procedure known as computational modeling, and has plastically mapped it in the adult brain. So, socially transmission of empathy tested in various studies. This is interesting. I know this doesn't sound sexy. This isn't Scandaval or Taylor Swift, but this is interesting. If you are around empathic people, you will become more empathic. That meaning if you're around people that care about others. Now, the reverse is probably true. If you're in some cutthroat Wall Street mentality, you're probably also cutthroat. This reminds me of the Mark Twain quote. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Wow. How, how wild is that? Let's digest that one. Travel is fatal to prejudice. Now, we talk about this all the time. I, like everybody, come from, you know, an area, you know, well, I'll put it this way. Everyone has different life circumstances, so I'm not trying to say my life is like anyone else's, but I come from a pretty small town of good people, but good people that all sort of look the same, pretty much all Irish Catholic whites. And then I go to Boston and live in a Hispanic neighborhood, and I go to New York and live in a 
a, a predominantly Dominican neighborhood and then a black neighborhood. And then I travel throughout Europe and, you know, spend some time in Central America. And I start to realize that I'm no better than anybody else. And whatever privileges I have are just that. But my heart beats just like someone else's does by rubbing elbows with strangers on the subway. I realize if the subway jerks um, and someone starts to fall down, we all reach out to grab them. And by that, I'm trying to say we're all part of the same being. We're all collective vicariously. We see someone else smile. We smile. We reflect moods with each other. So when we think about that, as we go on with our day this morning, this Tuesday morning, as we think about that, what messages are we going to send others? Are we going to send messages where we can't smile to someone when we walk by them because we're too busy, worried, or stressed about our day? Or are we going to take those moments and be intentional and be intentional to awaken the side of us that is the most humane, the side of us that sees strangers as brothers, people that we don't, even enemies as friends. I, I know it's hard. Um, I know we hold grudges, but a lot of times those grudges, that exoskeleton of bitterness that we can have out there begets more bitterness. And how quickly do we sort of paralyze ourselves from our own low energy, whether it's hatred or like I said, just bitterness for things that haven't worked out. I actually covered this a little bit um, unexpectedly with my interview with Todd Dorham on this week's Driving with Dave episode, which is the mantra, isn't it great that everything's working out? And boy, is it a hard one when times are tough. I don't preach toxic optimism or no, you just have to be happy out there, but find actionable reasons to have a high vibrancy. Find those reasons to share in what humanity is supposed to be about, which is bonding. And I think when you find those little moments, those little daisies in an otherwise, you know, uh, you know, a field of coal or whatever, those daisies, that's what expands into a forest of life. And that's what we have to push for. And I don't know, maybe someone needs to hear that today, but try your best, even if you're faking it, to smile and to go out there and find a reason to have positivity because you will find more of it in return. All right, I'll be back with more Bachelor content right after this. As far as how last night's episode of The Bachelor went, what can we say? Again, we're going to talk about last night's episode, so if you didn't want that information, just tune out for now. Uh, we had six ladies left. Maria kind of quit and came back, and I get it. I get it. She was able to feel a panic and not drag anyone else down with her. It was all kind of like in her own mind, but that feeling of like, oh boy, we're crossing that, that we're crossing from that initial flirty, all having fun line to meeting my dad. Oh, shit's about to get real. And again, she doesn't know if she wants to eliminate or stick around and she ends up getting the fourth and final rose. Joey doesn't give roses out at the group date. And finally we say goodbye to Kelsey and Jen. Now, I didn't see, I mean, I, I tried covering this last night on the live stream, but it was just kind of a dull, it, the live stream itself wasn't dull, but there was no reason to talk. There was no villain. It was kind of like an eh. It was just that episode. It was probably for me the least dramatic episode of the season, which is fine. 
totally fine. But again, nothing to, no statements will be made tomorrow from people about how they were edited or what they can do better. No, 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 that's not going to happen. This was maybe a little bit of a quiet before the storm and we're down to hometowns. Can you believe how fast this season goes by? Every season goes by so, so fast. We don't even know who's going to be the next Bachelorette. We don't know if there'll be a Bachelor in Paradise or who's going to be the Golden Bachelorette. But I can tell you this, I think we're all going to find out pretty pretty soon. And by the time you're listening to this, I'm expecting, because I haven't heard it yet, I'm expecting we're going to have some big information from Reality Steve, which I will be covering in today's YouTube. And I'm also going to be covering the full 40-minute court case um, of Jane Doe and Clayton Eckerd from February 21st. So that information has already been posted out online. Some, some of you guys already saw it. It's been covered by Law Talk with Mike. And of course, Schnitzel Ninja posted it. So I think I'm sure Megan Fox has commented on it. Uh, fascinating, fascinating court stuff going on over there. So I'll cover more of that. That'll be kind of, I think today's content on YouTube will be in part this big court. I mean, it's going to be like an hour long video by the time I'm done with it. So it'll be a nice long one for you guys covering this full, uh, you know, it's not even a trial. It's like a hearing to see how they proceed, which makes you wonder how crazy is the trial actually going to be. So we'll have that. We'll have whatever new spoiler information reality Steve drops. Again, if you don't want spoilers, I'm just going to have it on the YouTube. So you don't have to worry about that. My guess is it's going to be pretty pretty shocking. I think tomorrow's going to be one of the bigger days of the month for the Bachelor channel. And who knows what else we have? Maybe the salmon population's coming back. We'll get an update from them. Will Taylor Swift's dad be charged? My guess is no. My guess is I um, the Australian authorities will side with the performer who brought in a shit ton of you know money and economy uh, to Australia. I mean, how much of it, how much is the GDP shifted when Taylor Swift comes to town. She did what? I don't know. I'm just guessing four or five stadium shows. She probably brought more people into the town since the Olympics. So anyway, we'll be covering all that and more. And don't forget, my tickets are now on sale for my show in Phoenix, March 28th. You can go see that stand-up comedy show. We'll have Clayton Eckerd there as a special guest. It'll be a ton of fun. Definitely not going to want to miss that show if you're in the Phoenix area or who have, or have friends who are. Or hey, buy a ticket anyway and um, we'll send you a virtual copy. You can always do that. All right, Dave Neal, always be selling shit. That's what we do. Have empathy for me. I'm going to be a father. I got to pay for the diapers. Um, and again, we'll be live today at noon central time for Patreon. But by the way, yesterday's Patreon, we dropped some crazy stuff. Did you guys see that? I shared with everybody, if you're still listening, I mean, here's a little tea for you. I shared with everybody the crazy Jane Doe uh, video. So if you go to yesterday's Patreon, you can watch it, patreon.com slash Dave Neal. It's a video that Jane Doe sent to me, I believe on October 13th, and it was titled like, just clearing up uh, you know, any misconceptions. It's a video she sent to me, Reality Steve and uh, Clayton Eckerd. And the video is her father rubbing her pregnant belly. The only problem is it pans up to like below the nose and you clearly see that it's not Jane Doe, it's her sister. It's absolutely wild. I don't want to share it publicly. The video itself is too sad. You know, it's her father who's sick in bed, but it's it's truly 
disturbing that she would pretend to be her sister. And what was she thinking? I know she sent this October 13th. Was she thinking we wouldn't have the balls to share it? I mean, if I were her sister, I would disown her. Just thinking about how messed up that is, that she's, you know, bringing her father's, you know, uh, you know, moments in the hospital where he, he holds his daughter's belly. I don't know. I couldn't believe it. But again, if you want to see that, go to patreon.com slash Dave Neal. We'll be discussing that and more today on the Patreon since there's going to be a lot to get into. So stick around. We'll be back over there. Have a great morning. And don't forget, just uh, be that light you want to see in the world. I don't know. I sound like I'm running for a office or something, but hey, maybe I will. Dave Neal for uh, governor of the podcast world. We'll be back later on. Have a good day, everybody. As always, I'm Dave Neal. This is Bachelor Rush Hour. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you didn't, don't. Join the free Facebook group, Dave Neal's Community. Got cash? Become a premium member at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. Link in the description below. And don't forget to follow Dave on Instagram at dneals for upcoming stand-up shows. See you tomorrow on The Rush. Come <laughs> on.